This is the TJ Show. Thank you for turning your radio on today. Look at that. It's Wednesday, November 29th. Even you find a great place to eat in your neighborhood, a new restaurant pops up and it's so good. Well, we found that yesterday. And I ate uh, ham, egg, and cheese on a donut, which I've never done before. I was very surprised by that, TJ. I knew I shouldn't have ordered it. Because it's not your style. Well, it was wrong. You know, there's some things in the world that are wrong and nobody calls it out anymore. This was wrong. No, it wasn't. Stop it. I ate this and I couldn't finish it because it was so dense and there was a sugar glaze on the top Mm -hmm. of it. It shouldn't have been the outside of my sandwich. And I almost threw up. No, you didn't. No, it, TJ and, ate and, the whole thing, including the potatoes it came with. <laughs> it was, they were right. There was a whole side of potatoes. And what's so sad is I still feel it today. Like my, <laughs> I, I know it's still a part of me. And I just want it to go. I just want to part with it. I want to break up with the donut, ham, egg, and cheese sandwich that I ate yesterday. And I don't know when that's going to happen. And until then... I'm emotional. TJ, I'm with you, but if loving that sandwich is wrong, I don't want to be right. I knew that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Those two things. So what I'm trying to say here is I'm making a public service announcement to any delis in the neighborhood. Don't get too inventive with sandwiches. <laughs> Bread on the outside of them. That is the way it's supposed to be. None don't this- listen to TJ. He is not a chef. Oh, you do you, boo. You guys saw that. I don't even it know how you... It was beautiful. St- it was a glazed donut. I don't know beautiful. how you stayed at the table with me. I would have walked away. If I ever see it again, I'm going to. Yes, producer Heather. Yeah, but can we talk about those potatoes for a second? Those were so good. They were so oh good. They were. But I need... Uh, I need to... I need medicine, I think, today. (laughs) And I shouldn't need that after I eat lunch. I don't know that I know a bigger Christmas enthusiast than our camera guy, Josh. When did you set up your trees with an S? Well, it depends on which tree we're talking about. The real one, just last week. How many trees do you have, Josh? Oh, goodness. One, two, three... When you lose count of your trees, you should be working at uh, six or seven. In your house? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should be at like a a factory with a lot of elves with Uh that kind of passion. I'm sorry, eight. We got got one for the baby. (laughs) Your baby has a tree? Oh, yeah. Because the other seven weren't good enough for her? Gotta start them early. I was quite shocked to find out the price tag on Josh's seven foot tree. Are you willing to share what this is? Yeah, seven and a half foot tree, TJ. Seven and a half feet, and it does make a difference. We paid for that half. What's the number? How much did you spend? $150. Guys, is it worth it at this point? No, that's just for the the most recent tree, the biggest tree, right? The other seven trees are, I'm assuming they're smaller trees, they're probably plastic, they didn't cost that much. That is the only real tree that we have in our house. That is our main Christmas tree. You're a guy who is so budget conscious. Mm -hmm. How do you justify $150 for a tree? And I'm asking because I'm a big fan of real trees. I love the smell. I love everything. But they've gotten so expensive. Last year, I was shocked when I saw the cash register ring up at $120. Mm. And that was the most expensive tree that I've ever bought. And you can't just say, no, I don't want it when you got your kids waiting there. (laughs) You've already cut it down. Yeah, it's been cut down at the local Christmas tree shop. So what? uh, how do you justify $150? Yeah, my brain turns off somewhere around like November 15th. Right, okay. And I just don't think about money anymore (laughs) until like January 4th. Is it worth it? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Why? Are you crazy? Uh, the, all of the joy and tradition. And my wife and daughter and I went out as the, for the first time as a family of three and cut down the tree and got some hot chocolate after because it was nice and cold and decorated the tree all nice. It's, it's all part of the fun. Can you be honest with me? Uh, was it really peaceful to go pick out a tree? Because it's never peaceful for me. Okay. I'll be honest. No, it was awful. It was awful. It was. It was. it was. You're right. It was awful. And picking out honest. your own tree when it's freezing cold and then Never you have fun. to pay for it? $150? You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. I could have taken that $150, had a nice, a really nice dinner, and maybe a show. And that's a great experience that brings me joy. It's an s- experience that brings you joy, but that's a fleeting memory. You won't think no. of that. Oh, no, I remember how miserable last year's tree shopping was when right. I saw that price. I believe it. It's how miserable dads are made. <laughs> <laughs> you ever wonder why your dad's so grumpy? Well, take a look at that big real Christmas tree that costs $150. No, I mean, but I have to actively go against that because I know that's wrong. My kids don't want a grumpy dad. So you're going to do it again this year too? j I am getting ready to... <laughs> Be the happiest dad (laughs) in the happiest time of year. I'll take out a loan, but I'm going to be happy doing it because that's what we do in America. We just keep getting loans. Consume, consume. We need more money for trees that we're going to throw out. Everything's more money. And we invited you to join in on the show at TJ Podcast on Instagram. You can send us DMs there anytime, just like Ashley did. Hi, I'm Ashley and I'm listening from Downs, Illinois. The most that I've ever spent on a real Christmas tree was $90. See, normally that would be a lot of money, but compared to Josh's $150. Right, it sounds reasonable. It's nothing. That was after tax. Before tax, it was priced at $80. Beautiful tree, love it. People love their trees no matter how much they cost. Because you have to, you can't buy it and then feel horrible about it and say, I shouldn't have bought it, it's the ugliest tree. You can't take it back, it's a real tree, (laughs) what are you going to do? If you're this far (laughs) into it, you better be all in. That's right. We go to the same spot, a little tree farm, but it's always worth it because the tradition that we do, going and finding the perfect tree, cutting it down, and then the smell of a real tree. It does seem like that route is more expensive when you have to go to like cute little boutique farms. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm one of these people who's been lured to the cute little boutique farms. Cut it down yourself, yeah. And I do love it more than going to the grocery store, right? It's not as special. To, do they still sell them at the grocery yeah, store? Yeah, they do. And I love that more. You don't have to worry about going out there and picking out a tree. You just, boom, it's there for you. The only thing about the grocery store is it's, it's hard to fit it in your shopping cart. And then you got to bring it around the whole store. It's so awkward. <laughs> you pick it up afterwards, dude. Oh, is that how you do it? Yes. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I wish you would <laughs> mention that sooner. Growing up, my family, we would always get our Christmas trees from the Home Depot. How much are those going for? They're there. Well, I just Google searched them. They have Fraser fir trees anywhere from sixty to eighty dollars. Wow. Well, that sounds about right. And Kenny, your family just like pick some points, right? That's it. I want that one. Well, unfortunately, it was a more involved process. Going to the Home Depot with my father was always miserable. We'd spend like a half hour looking at cans of paint. Oh, we got other things to do over here. While I guess we're you can complain Depot. when you buy a tree, no matter whether you're cutting it down or picking it out. That is true. Dad's love Home Depot. And then we always cut um, the trunk of the tree down we cut a little spot piece off and then make it into an ornament that is awesome um and write real tree and then the year that is a great idea idea. why have i never thought of that camera guy josh was like 
his light bulb just came on like, oh, I must do that now. Have you ever done that, camera guy, Josh? I have never done that, and I'm going to do that every year for the rest of my life. Isn't that? <laughs> That's inspirational, Ashley. What a great idea. So if you could figure out how to use a Sawzall, right? That's what you would use to chop off oh, the bottom. Oh, look at you, woodworker. And you could even wood burn it if you really want to get fancy. Make a nice little ornament. That'd be cool. Put the year on it of the tree and everything. Yeah, you know how, because I, I do like wood burning. What I do is I'll print out what I want to wood burn, and then I'll put it on top of whatever I'm going to burn. And then for 15 bucks or whatever it is on Amazon, you get one of those little wood burner things. And it looks professional. That's cool. Right, Josh? You in for this? I'm in. Let's do arts and crafts. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll bring the wood burner. The smell and everything is just, it reminds you of Christmas and the tradition with your family. And you definitely can't put a price tag on a tradition. No well, matter- well, you can. It's just very expensive to enjoy <laughs> traditions anymore. No matter how pricey they get, I'll continue to spend the money on them. It's well worth it. Well, there it is. People are not giving up their real trees. Doesn't matter how pricey they get. There is something about that pine tree smell, though. I love it so much that I even went and bought plugins and put it in my apartment. So when you walk in, it just smells like pine. No well, tree, just pine. There's a solution. You just said it. There you go. Yeah, that'll save you a whole bunch of. I was like 14 bucks. That's yeah, it. done. I've got Megan on the phone in Hudson Valley, New York. Hey, Megan, are you there? I'm here. Hi. How much did you spend on your Christmas tree that's in your living room right now? Uh, we spent $450 on our Christmas tree. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Wait a minute. How? A couple questions here. First of all, yeah. how is it possible to spend $450 on a tree? Does it come with golden breathe. ornaments? Like what? Please explain this tree to us. Okay. Well, it is a 13-foot tree, so it's not little. It's a Rockefeller tree. <laughs> 13 feet. What? Yes. Okay, where did you find a 13-foot tree? There's just a local nursery that has a bunch of pretty tall trees, and it's actually pretty competitive. We went there the day after Thanksgiving, and they had about 10, and there was only two left. Wow. So do you have to hire a crane operator to get it into your house? How do you transport a 13-foot tree? Um, they can deliver it to you, or you can tie it to the roof of your car. Wait a minute. Which one did you do? Um, we've done both. This year it was uh, a little too heavy to put on our car, so they had to deliver it. Yeah, yeah. you need somebody else to take care of that. There's no way. Do you know what? I felt weaker than I've ever felt in my life when I first moved out to the country, because I'm, I'm a city boy my whole life, and uh, my wife grew up in the country. We had to go, first of all, cut down a tree. I had to ask a friend to help me with it. Then I just had to carry it into my house. I dragged it in. <laughs> And I was injured from dragging it in the house. It was embarrassing. And my wife saw all that, Megan. Megan, is nursery <laughs> oh, coach for you got the tree in the woods? Because I'm sure there has to be no, some kind of no, birds or no. nest in that tree. No, definitely not. There is a nursery that has these things. Um, but I, I don't agree with this at all. Um, it is pushed by my husband. I'm like, you know, we could have bought a really nice fake tree, like, a bunch of times over for the price that we spent on real trees. Yeah. And he's um, pretty adamant that we should have a real tree at Christmas time. Yeah. Do you ever have any complications? I mean, being a real tree enthusiast, you hear stories all the time about the 400 spiders that popped up right before Christmas. Right. Anything like that ever happened to you? Squirrels? No, nothing like that has happened to us yet. Knock on wood. Have you um, checked this tree? <laughs> yes. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> That is impressive. Well, listen, you've uh, many, 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 not just one upped us, like multiple <laughs> up, 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 upped us all. You and win. Congratulations on your $450 tree. I hope you're going to save that for next year. 
I mean, find a bucket, water it, just <laughs> try to get two years out of that thing. That's incredible. Well, Megan, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of our show. <laughs> Have a good day, guys. You You're too. the best. <laughs> Bye. $450. That was not a bargain shopping decision. No, it wasn't. But uh, proud to know her. <laughs> wonder if she has a spare room I could stay in. <laughs> All right, same. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> I was hanging out with my mom, and I don't know anyone who gets so upset about things that just sort of blend into the world and everyone just lives with. She's been so upset because of an oak tree Aww. near her property. She doesn't like that acorns fall out of the tree, and it seems to be a huge battle in her life That's at the moment. That's what they do. They're just doing their life, their oak tree life. I think oak trees are beautiful. Yes. They're so strong, too. If you ever tried mm-hmm. to chop through a piece of oak wood, it's like... Good luck. Amazing. And so I started interviewing my mom so you can hear her dispassion for the oak tree. (laughs) Hey, Mom. Hey. Can you tell me why you hate oak trees so much? I don't hate them if they're in the middle of the woods and not bothering my landscaping. But the tree that was in the front had these gigantic acorns that were, like, massive, and you could walk and, like, roll an ankle on them. Have you ever rolled an ankle on an acorn? Yes, I get really upset. Seriously? Because I can't do anything to the acorn. I can't do anything to the to the tree. I'm just mad. I've never had this problem. You should hang out with my mom. She would love to talk to someone else who's rolled an ankle on an acorn. And really, I'm mad at myself because I feel like I'm just clumsy. Like, I should have seen it. <laughs> well, you call my mom a clumsy? No, I said myself. Okay. Yeah. Ah! You heard what or you g- wanted to hear. Or get hit in the head and it feels like a rock hit you in the head. You ever get hit in the head by an acorn? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You'd think, actually, that would happen more often than not. But uh, yeah, it's never happened to me either. A lot of people think oak trees are so beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful in the middle of the woods. They're not beautiful when I have to clean everything up. Don't you say you have trouble breathing? Yeah. Well, don't you think you could use a couple more trees in the neighborhood? Yeah, I know. Maybe that's why you're having a hard time breathing. No, it isn't. (laughs) What would you like to say to the environmentalists who are so offended right now? You know, this is true. There are some people who are probably seething with anger towards my mom (laughs) because she dares to hate an oak tree and she needs to address them. No, I mean, I'm not against trees. Well, I guess it's just like a big piece of grass when you think about it. (laughs) What, the tree? Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? The woods, it's really just huge pieces of grass. No, I never thought about it that way. They're like big weeds that just got out of control and now they're woods. Yeah. I always thought of trees as uh, big pieces of broccoli. Really? Huh. Yeah, broccoli's kind of look like tree. I can see that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's true. I <laughs> I think a piece of broccoli does look like a tree, right? Thanks. That yeah. added no value to TJ's life. No, thank I mean you for sharing that. I, I think it's usually the other way around. That broccoli looks like a tree. Oh man, no, that's great. I think trees look like broccoli. Uh, see, we all have different feelings, and yet we still get along. I'm still going to be your friend. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Well, however uh, you're handling the trees, hopefully they're being nice to you. And I think trees are very important. I know that's a bold statement, but uh, there are a lot of communities that continue to mow down fields of trees. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that that's happened? It happens a lot in Florida. It does. That, that seems to be one of the big offenders. You can go to the middle of the country, and they got plenty of trees, and they still love their trees. Yeah. That's true. H- how are you saying that the word for what's coming from the oak tree? Acorn. Acorn? Yeah. Acorn. Okay, just making sure. Because a lot of people say egg corn. Egg corn? Egg I've corn. never heard anyone it's, say it, egg yeah, corn. It's a common like, mix-up that people have. And egg corn's become a word for those common mishearings of words. Is that how you say it? And so you're passing it off as a lot of people? I just wanted to double check. 
All right. Well, trees look like broccoli and egg horns. It's egg. That's a word. <laughs> egg corn is a word, but not for what you're describing. <laughs> okay. Got it. What is an egg corn? So because so many people mishear the word acorn as egg corn, egg corn has become a word that describes when two words are misheard. Two words that sound similar are misheard for one another. Really? Yeah. That's it happens in a to dictionary? me all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's a real word. This is the TJ Show. A few minutes ago. Kenny brought something to our attention. I had never heard of this before. An egg corn. I was talking about acorns from an oak tree. And he brought to our attention there's a word that is actually derived from the word acorn. Mm -hmm. Because people call them eggcorns. And it's the wrong way to say it. But it still makes sense because like an acorn is kind of like the egg of an oak tree, right? Right. Yeah. So it's been accepted. And I didn't realize that that word actually means, let me read the definition for you, an alteration of a phrase through the mishearing or reinterpretation of one or more of its elements, creating a new phrase, having a different meaning from the original, but still makes sense and is plausible when used in the same context. So eggcorn, which is the mispronunciation of acorn, uh, is is now in the dictionary because people got it wrong mm -hmm. for so long. It's kind of like the game telephone. You were yes. playing that as, as a kid? Exactly. Yeah, or when you tell somebody next to you something and then they got to pass it on, pass it on. When it gets to the end of the line, it's like not the same thing that, that was said when the line first started. Right. That never yeah. happens anymore in no. the world. No? Gossip, yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a list of some of the most misused phrases and words, and this is fascinating. I want to read this. An escape goat. Now, it's actually a scapegoat, but people call it an escape oh, goat. Oh, yeah. I've definitely said an escape goat. Cold slaw. Now, we know it's actually coleslaw. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard people call it cold slaw all well, the is, time. It's cold, isn't it? It is cold, right. Uh, people have said a mute point rather than a moot point. Oh, I say a moo point. Yeah, good. Well, you're on top of it, J-Bo. Moo point. Oh, a moo point. <laughs> well, that's a whole different thing. That's not even on the list. A moo point. It's J-Bo's list. Then, a doggy dog world. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what the original one is? Is it a doggy eat dog or something like that? No, it's a dog eat dog world. Oh, that was close. But people all the time. Yeah, it's a doggy dog world. Yeah, it's a doggy dog world. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a doggy dog world. Okay, here's another one. Lack toast intolerant. So instead of lactose intolerant, what do you like lacking toast? I, I've heard people that actually thought that's what it was. It's you're, yeah, you're lacking toast and you're tolerant of that fact that you don't have any toast. <laughs> I will say that this sparks another thought. I hate when toast is lacking. Like it's so easy to toast <laughs> bread and it's always better when you toast the bread, but some people are too lazy to toast the bread. Mm. So that's lack toast. Yeah. But it's horrible when you over toast. When you over toast the bread, that's a problem. Right. That's true. Uh, another one on this list to all intensive purposes, which of course is to all intents and purposes. And the list goes on and on. People are messing things up all over the place. Yeah. This is nothing new. Nope. But we'll keep adding to this list. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, Kenny. Yeah. I, didn't, I can't believe I'd never heard of an egg corn before. I was fascinated by it. I think I heard acorn, and then I was like, is it acorn or is it egg corn? And then I discovered that egg corn is an actual thing, and it describes all of these misheard phrases. Yeah, if you remember, Kenny was questioning how I was pronouncing it. You were ready to jump all over me. Yeah, I was like, are you saying egg corn? He was. Yeah. He was ready. <laughs> Kenny loves no, to grace there. Say, gotcha. 
Yeah. I gotcha. He's like the police officer around here. Well, you know, mm-hmm. he used to be a professor, so he feels the need to correct you when you're wrong. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. true. Hey, listen, I want to be corrected. I, I've gone long enough with not wanting to be corrected. Now I want to be corrected <laughs> when it, whenever the opportunity presents itself. It seems there's a little fight brewing here, and it has to do with AI. I can't help but read these stories. Every time I see one of these headlines, I'm so fascinated by it because we're witnessing something that's never happened before. Futurism.com is reporting they found that some of Sports Illustrated, quote, writers are not real people, but actually AI-generated writers. Now, Sports Illustrated did respond to all this, and I'll get to that in a second. Futurism.com found that one, and again in quotes, author named Drew doesn't seem to exist. There was nothing in Drew's author biography, however, at Sports Illustrated to suggest that he was anything other than human. Are you ready for Drew's uh, biography? Yeah, I want to learn about Drew. (laughs) So, quote, Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is excited to guide you through his never-ending list of the best products to keep you from falling to the perils of nature. Does that even sound human? Sounds like every author I read. Their bio says the same thing. (laughs) Nowadays, there is rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. You know, his dad, Gateway 2000, remember? (laughs) (laughs) He's an old computer. There was even someone who supposedly works closely with the brand, remaining anonymous, saying that uh, they think it's ridiculous that the person doesn't exist. Here's one example of what author Drew, this incredible author, wrote, uh, because they say AI authors can often sound like it's written by an alien. He wrote in a volleyball article, Volleyball can be a little tricky to get into, especially without a ball to practice with. <laughs> I mean, this is groundbreaking like stuff. Right. stuff. This is like, what? deep philosophical writing. <laughs> Sports Illustrated did issue a statement saying the pieces in question came from a third-party partner. And that third-party partner assured them that the Sports Illustrated content was written by humans. So who do you believe? TJ. It's a TJ show. You lead the show, TJ, right? So if I mess up, if I do something wrong, they're not. Gonna, no one's going to come at me. They're going to come at you. Oh, that's very convenient. I mean, that's the way it works. The Sports Illustrated, like people are going to go after them, not well, the third party they're hiring. It's true. They they do have to vet this, and right. I don't know. It looks like they've removed some of the articles, or at least put a warning on there. Uh, they've added disclaimers to the articles from third party sites, saying that that's where they were published from. It just seems like everyone out there is trying to generate a factory of clicks. And and humans don't generate the clicks fast enough. You know, there was an interesting video that popped up the other day. I was searching about somebody and I typed the name in YouTube and it came up with, here's all the details about this lead singer. So many videos that were clearly AI generated with random pictures that mm-hmm. come in. The internet is flooded with these and things. They had that AI voice. Yeah. Oh, this you, singer oh, so was born in this state yep. in this year. And what you see is these videos have tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of hits, yep. which generates ad revenue. Mm-hmm. And so if you can click a button, generate a video or generate an article, it's a lot faster to just generate clicks. But here's the thing. They need us to click on this stuff. 
So right. if we start getting less consumed with all these articles, that changes the game a little bit. It's so unfortunate that some companies will rely on AI because the human experience is what we can connect to. Right. So an author can write about volleyball, but then they can maybe throw in when they went to go witness a volleyball game. That's an experience that they got to see with their own eyes. Well, yeah. AI can't do that. Well, it's also a great point. There are many media companies who are like, why are people not connecting with us anymore? It's like, well, you're using non-people to right. try to connect. You just nailed it. It's like hire humans and you'll get other humans to be interested yep. in it. I'm a fan of an author named Tim Ferriss and he was doing an interview with Jerry Seinfeld. It's from years ago and I didn't know what happened and then you know how the internet is. Mm-hmm. It was a great conversation. There were a couple of things that I noted that I wanted to share with you. Jerry, who is really a deep thinker, you know, I guess you have to be with the way that he observes the world. What is with this airline food? Exactly. That's it's, a deep thought. Is that yep. a bit from Jerry? Yeah, well, Jerry is, I think, one of the most brilliant comedians to ever live. I love the guy. So in this conversation, he was saying, when you have a creative gift, it's like someone gave you a black stallion, and you have to learn how to ride the horse. If you don't learn how to ride it, it will kill you. And I thought that was so interesting because you think about so many creative people, whether it's a rock star or go down the list of artists, and sometimes they struggle so much. And I wonder, is it because they didn't get disciplined with their gift? And does that parallel with a lot of other industries? Like you probably have a talent. Maybe it's not, I mean, I feel like a lot of talents are creative, but maybe it's a different industry than the arts. And you've got this gift, you know you've got this gift. We've got to work on it and mold it and learn how to use it so that we can get to our best potential. And I was so moved by that. I thought that was a really cool thought. And then he went on to talk about, he had this quote that he wrote. He said, the way that we all feel pain. Like, have you ever felt pain in your life, j Yes, of course. Kenny, have you ever felt pain in your yes. life? It could be emotional, it could be physical. He said this line, and I had to write it down because I thought it was so cool. He said, pain is knowledge rushing in to fill a void with great speed. And the example he gave is if you are walking through your bedroom in the dark and you don't realize your bedpost is there oh. and you'll walk into it and mm. it hits your foot, you realize real fast, mm-hmm. you get the knowledge mm. that the bedpost is there and, and you learn it from the pain. And also, doesn't that relate to everything in life? Like we make a bad choice because we don't know something or we try to do it all on our own. And of course, we inevitably fall down most of the time, right? right? And what do we get out of that? We get pain, right? humiliation, That's physical pain, pain maybe. Right. right? You say the wrong thing to the wrong person, they punch you in the face. That's, That's pain. pain. And uh, if only we knew. And so it's like, do we want to get knowledge that way, a more painful way? Or do we want to like seek wisdom, get the information so we don't have to feel as much pain? I heard somebody once say that we don't always have to learn from other people's experiences. Sometimes we just have to learn through faith. Which means like if TJ tells me, hey, j that stove is hot. I don't need to go up to the stove and touch it to know that to learn that it's hot. I just need to learn through faith that it's hot based on the fact that TJ has touched it and has told me that it's hot. Well, and maybe because we have a friendship and you trust me right. and you trust me enough to be like, okay, well, if he, yeah, if he says that, then yeah, I'm going to listen to that. Why would I want to get burned? And so I was just, I was thinking about that yesterday and I thought, I want to share that with you all because it is, uh, it is tough to navigate this life that we're in. Right. And there's so many challenges every single day. It's not easy to just wake up and go through this interesting little planet that we're all living on. And I feel like the more tools we have to navigate it, 
the better we are. I, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, an explorer without a compass is another example. Yeah, he you're going to be lost. You want the compass? You Let's do. find the compass. Let's help find our way by seeking this amazing wisdom, looking into, like if we've got a dream, looking into the people who've accomplished a similar dream or maybe even the same one. How did they do it? Can we read everything about it? Can we immerse ourselves in every detail of it? And not being afraid to ask questions. I think sometimes it's easy to be afraid to ask questions because you don't want to sound like you don't know. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not dumb. Right. No. So just ask questions. That's one way to find wisdom, too. So thank you to Jerry and Tim for that one. This is The TJ Show. This is The TJ Show, our news. It sounds different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story he can find, and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what's happening on the planet today? Ben Carpenter had been keeping a secret from his fiancée and her family for well over a year, and it was on his wedding day that he finally decided to spill the beans. Oh boy, good secret or bad secret? A good secret. Okay, I like those. So Ben's fiancée is Korean, and her family speaks Korean, and for over a year, Ben has been sneaking off to take 30-minute lessons to learn the Korean language. What a great idea. That is beautiful. And at his wedding toast, he started in English and then shifted to Korean where he said to everyone from Sohee's family, Sohee's his wife's name, as a show of respect, I've been secretly taking Korean lessons so I can finally speak to you in Korean. Wow. Mm. That's powerful. It is. He went on to say, when Sohee and I first started dating, she told me that in the Korean culture, dating a foreigner is frowned upon by many Korean people. I was very scared to meet you, referring to his family, and felt like maybe he wouldn't be accepted, but he was wrong. And he said, I'm thankful you've accepted me as a new member of the family, and I promise to love and take care of Sohee forever. He said that all in Korean. Wow, that's impressive. For me, I I would learn how to speak another language just to see if the family was talking about me (laughs) behind my back. And then I'd That's like, a good okay. reason to learn how to speak another language, too, though. Yeah. That's a good reason. If you watch the viral video, it's beautiful because after he says all this in Korean, the Sohee's mom and dad walk up to him and give him, embrace him and give him oh. a great hug. It's beautiful. It's awesome. See, the internet's not all horrible. No, it's There's not. There's great things like that. Kenny, what else do you have? According to a new study, the average American will be traveling to over 10 different holiday gatherings this year. 10 of them? That sounds yeah. exhausting. How many are you going to, Jabo? No, please don't invite me to, to your house. How many? I've only, I've only been to one thus far. Okay. Thanksgiving. What about you, Kenny? Yeah, I got one down, and I'm thinking I have Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, probably like four or five. Four or five, Oh, okay. and then we have our gift exchange thing with the show. Yeah, that, that counts. Next week. That's, okay. Okay, that's two yeah, for me. Yeah, I'm probably landing around four or five, so I guess we're all below average. That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Usually I don't like to be below average, but I'll take this one. So, so here's the deal. The study found that for many of the winter holidays, people celebrate an average of two times each. So, for instance, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, people celebrate two times. Friendsgiving, twice. Kwanzaa, three times. So it brings the total number of American holiday celebrations to over 10 each year on average. Well, oh, so they're saying this is how many there are. How many How many? Um, no, gatherings that you'll actually be going to because people will go to multiple gatherings for the same holiday. Kenny, I'm too confused by this story. All Please right. never do it again. Well, for- <laughs> I need to apologize for something real quick. I need to yeah. backtrack. I said, don't invite me to your house if you have a gathering. That's a lie. If your wife, Jess, is cooking, TJ, please invite me to your okay, house if you have a gathering. Okay, fine. If you want another one, we'll yes, make it happen. I'm down. Kenny, what else do you have? 
Yesterday, we reported that billionaire Mark Cuban will be leaving the popular reality show Shark Tank after its 16th season next year. And today, we are reporting that he has sold a majority stake in his Dallas Mavericks NBA franchise. Oh, how did that work out? Did he take a loss on that? Uh, no. How much <laughs> did he buy he it didn't. for? He bought it in the year 2000 for $285 million. He is selling a share, the majority share, so not all of it, for $3.5 billion dollars. Oh, yeah, so it worked out pretty Just well. Just for a share. That's a come up. <laughs> come on, man. And I think what's also amazing is even though he's giving up a majority share of ownership, he's still retaining complete control of basketball operations. So all of the basketball decisions made by the team go through Mark Cuban still, even as a minority owner now. Well, it sounds like he's doing a good job. That's why he's a shark. Smart man. Very cool. Smart yeah. businessman. Kenny, what else do you have? The FDA has approved further testing on a drug from the startup company Loyal which aims to extend the life expectancy of large breed dogs. The really? FDA, yeah. The FDA says huh? the drugs could reasonably be expected to work based on early tests. When uh, do I get to give one to my dog, Luna? She's almost 11. Well, let's let them... Well, I guess they better speed up the testing, I suppose. Well, test it on Luna. Okay. Well, let, let's Feed it to her. Let's volunteer. Why would you want to test... Well, why would you volunteer your dog as a test? She's only got like a, a year or no, two left, right? That could cut her life down if it doesn't work out. I still want to gamble. I, mean, I want to keep her here longer if I can. So the and she eats everything, Jabo. Whatever you feed her, she'll eat it. <laughs> so she'll well, be fine. You're she'll saying? be glad to take the test. Th- this is an injection, though. Uh, however, so oh. it's supposed to slow down the production of a hormone that's linked to aging. Large breed dogs have more of this hormone than smaller dogs, which typically have longer lifespans. So it's already been proven to block this hormone and boosts life expectancy in rodents and worms. Huh. And although the test suggests that they might slow dog aging, Loyal has yet to prove that it does, in fact, extend their longevity. But they're going to continue testing this. Will you be surprised in six years if they're like, actually, it works, and now we're using it on humans? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if humans start living even longer. Well, Jabo, that hormone that I talked about is a hormone that we as humans have, too. So. Oh, wow. Theoretically, mm. blocking that hormone could right. slow down don't aging for, for humans me. as well. Don't come for me. If I go missing tonight and I don't show up to work tomorrow, that means they came for me. Oh, boy. Yeah, I have nothing to do with that. I just say, test it on Luna. That's all I'm going to say about the story. <laughs> Kenny, what else do you have? Adobe Stock is a service that allows people and businesses to use images that Adobe has in its library for content creation. The Washington Post is reporting that Adobe Stock is selling unlabeled AI-generated images that depict real-life news events. Oh, see, this That's is a problem. This is dangerous territory. So you're seeing news all over the world, some really wild, insane news, mm-hmm. and now some of the images that are representing what's happening are not even actually happening. No, they're and generated you know, by You know AI. people are just sharing it everywhere. They're oh, just yeah. sharing on their Facebook and their Twitter and everything. It's just like... Have we seen the the discernment for what's true and what isn't has become harder and harder to figure out? I mean, I'm really glad that people are talking about it, but where are the things that we're not talking about? Yeah. What looks true that everyone's just taking is true, and uh, we're all just like, okay, great, move on to the next one. Mm, like, this not is even really, questioning it. Yeah, really dangerous territory. Yep. Since these reports, Adobe has said that they're changing their policy regarding fake images, and they want to make sure that everything is properly labeled as to not mislead people to events that really didn't happen. I'm no tech guy. Sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. Kenny, what else do you have? I wonder, can you break new ground if you're flying in midair? <coughs> is this a riddle? Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Let me think. Okay, what's the... Riddle me this, Batman. 
Go ahead, just so tell me. So the answer is yes. The first transatlantic flight by a large passenger plane that was powered only by sustainable alternative fuels landed successfully in the United States yesterday. What is sustainable alternative f- fuel? You're talking about like leftover vegetable oil? Kind of, yes. Really? So in this particular case... <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, the Boeing 787 plane that was operated by Virgin Atlantic was filled with 50 tons of sustainable alternative fuel. Two types were used. 88% came from waste fats. Wow. And the rest came from corn production waste from the United States. It's all that bacon we've been frying. Yeah, that's great news. I always love hearing stories like that because otherwise it's just a mess. Like, have you ever tried to throw oil out after that oily pan with the bacon? It's gross. Where do you even put it? You got to put it in a bag and then you don't want to pour it down your sink. Mm -hmm. They can use it in a plane. Take it. Come get it at my house. This is a great first step We're still not close to making this a regular thing just yet. There's not as much supply of these sustainable alternative fuels. So if you were to use it, the prices for tickets would go way up. You got somebody's grandma... Just, uh, just hoarding all that pig fat in plastic containers in their kitchen. They need to go hit them up. We gotta get it. We gotta get it together for <laughs> sure. But it is. Even though it does emit carbon emissions, they say that the life cycle emissions when using these alternative fuels can be up to 70% lower considering Mm. where it comes from and how traditional fuels are manufactured. Great. I'll never forget. I saw a guy driving around in a truck and it said, we'll take your vegetable oil or will you? And then, you know, everyone looks at that and goes, what's he doing with that? It's because of these experiments. Now we're flying a plane. Look at that. No, it's pretty cool. And when you drive around in one of those cars that uses those fuels, it smells like French fries wherever you go. So everyone wins. It's a positive. What else do you have? There's a very smart two-year-old girl in Kentucky. So smart. She's the youngest person ever to be accepted into Mensa. Oh, yeah. How old is she? She's two years old. Wow. Yeah, they, so they offered that to me and I turned it down. Okay. I don't <laughs> like want to be last bothered. Week? <laughs> no, no, it was when I was a little kid and I, I was like, eh, you know what? I just want to live my two year old life. And so, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Are but... you lying? <laughs> of course he's lying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could believe it. No, no. And you're pretty smart. <laughs> no, no. I, I never got a call from Mensa. But if they knew I existed... I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. They probably would have offered it to me, Jabo. That's what I'm trying to say. The truth is, I knew you were lying, but I wanted you to say it. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> so Mensa is the largest and mo- most recognized high IQ society in the world. In order to be a member, you must score within the 98th percentile or higher on a standardized IQ test. Isla McNabb from Crestwood, Kentucky, scored in the 99th percentile of intelligence for her age group on one of these standard tests. Her parents say that she learned the alphabet at 18 months Soon after started reading, they say at seven months she could pick out certain images from picture books when asked, like, show me a car, and she'd point at it at a very young age. Do you want to know your IQ? I would be curious to know. Jabo, do you want to know your IQ? I'm okay. I feel like it could be limiting, right? Mm -hmm. If you hear a certain number and it's not what you're expecting. Yeah. Sure, or it's higher than you expected, then you feel like you've you've come up short. Well, then you turn into a jerk. (laughs) Facts. Kenny, thanks for keeping us somewhat informed. That's what's happening. 